0: Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Uh, I don't know what your experience with church has been. Uh, Maybe you come through these doors today for the first time and you see people like yelling and raising hands and you're kind of taken back by it all and you're like, what is all this about? You know, why are they raising their hands? Do they have questions and why is nobody asking them? What's your question and why... You know, or maybe you've been in church for a long time and you're comfortable. I'm just telling you, I pray that today you become a little uncomfortable, <laughs> that God has something specific that he wants to do in your life to move you. Uh, and in fact, before I give you the title of today's message, um, let, me, let me say this. Uh, back in high school, I joined the football team for like one year. It was in my senior year. I decided finally in my senior year, I wanted to play football. This is a little bit late. Honestly, just to let you know, it's not a great idea. And so like I joined the team because I thought, man, I, I think I can do this. And so coaches, you know, they, they tried to work with me. You know, I spent a lot of time, you know, on the bench, uh, you know, that, that year of football because they didn't really know where to put me. They're like, you're too, you're not tall enough necessarily to be a, a, a wide receiver or a tight end. Um, But you're also not fast enough necessarily to be in the, you know, running back, carry the ball. We can't put you as a cornerback because you don't know what you're doing. And so because they didn't know where to put me, they didn't put me anywhere. That's kind of how it worked. But I do remember, you know, the moments that they did call my number. Like, do you remember that either on a team or in some, some area where they called your number? You're like, it's my shot. It's my time. I get to get in the game. I remember what that feels like. And here's the title of this message today. And I need to remind you today that your number has already been called. Look at your neighbor right now and look him in the eye and say, your number has been called. Now turn to your second choice neighbor, the person on the other side, because we all have a second choice. I just made it awkward for you. Tell them your number has been called, it's been called. Luke chapter two, verse 11 says today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a major. Colby, what are we talking about? This ain't Christmas. This is August. And I know this text is generally reserved for the Christmas season, but I don't know why because this text is describing the savior of the world who's been born into the earth that is God's plan to restore humanity back to him. I don't think we talk about this enough, that this baby Jesus came into our world. In fact, for the next few moments together, we're gonna look at two books, uh, the, the book of Luke and also the book of Acts, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And both of these were written by the same author, Luke, not the Skywalker, Luke, the doctor, the physician, and as a physician and doctor, he wrote a very orderly account of the life of Jesus, all that he witnessed. And so he starts out by presenting to us in Luke 2, the birth of Jesus. And this text obviously will be read in churches all across the world in mid-December, but he talks about the birth of Jesus, and then in Acts, he talks about the birth of the church, And it's important to note as we read through these that there is this critical thread that runs throughout both. In fact, it's a critical thread that runs throughout the entire um, Bible, but it connects you and I into God's story. It connects us with what God wants to do in the earth. And let me say it this way, It, it calls us to participate in all that God has planned for this earth, that you and I are not just spectators. That we are called to participate. We are not called to just ride the pine. We are not called to just sit on the sideline. In fact, today, if you kind of slipped in the, the back, you know, and you didn't, you didn't want anybody to know that you were here, uh, you're going to kind of slip out early, perhaps, before the message is done. First of all, we locked the doors, so good luck with that. <laughs> Secondly, God knows you by name. God knows your number. And he has called your number. You are not here by accident. That God has his hand on your life and he wants to pull you from being a spectator into a participator. Your number has been called. And it's time to get in the game. It's time to get in the game because it's one thing to be an armchair quarterback. You know, it's, it's one thing to sit on the, the comfort of your couch and call the plays and oh, I would have done that. I should have done that. It's a, I would have done that if I were in the game. It's an entirely different thing to take a hit and to get back up. Are you with me? and to keep going and to keep moving forward. And I'm so glad that we have a church full of people, honestly, that are like, Colby, just put me in the game. Let me get in the game. Where where, where do you need me? Like, I just want to participate. I don't care what part I play. I don't care what my position is. I just want to be in the game. I wanna be a part of what God is doing in the earth, in this city, through this, this church. And the great news is you all have a part to play. However, However, the story doesn't start with you. The story doesn't start with me. And that's what Luke is reminding us. It starts with Jesus, the Messiah that he has been born. He is the center of it. He is the focus of it. He is the the, the person that this whole thing is all about. They're this glorious savior of ours who was prophesied by the way for, for years and years to come. As you read through the Old Testament, specifically the major prophets and the minor prophets, they are, are always prophesying these glimpses of the savior who would be born into the world, who was to come, Jesus the Messiah. And then in Luke two, boom, here he is on earth, born into the world, this, this sweet little baby Jesus, this eight pound, four ounce, sweet baby Jesus. Thank you, Talladega Knights for that one born into the world. And he's not just another baby. This is the Messiah of the world. And when he is born, it changes everything. The Bible says, for unto us born into the city of David is the savior of the world, meaning the one who would restore, the one who could put back the broken pieces of your life, the one who would redeem, cause you to, to, to go back to your original design and purpose and the plan that God has for you, the one who would come into the world to take away your sin and my sin to take away your guilt and my guilt, your shame and my shame, that you would not be condemned any longer. The one who would place all of our sin on himself, carry it to an old rugged cross, get up on the cross with a crown of thorns on his head and stripes on his back, get put in the grave for three days, but you know he wouldn't stay there because three days later he would get up victorious over sin and death and offer that same victory to anyone who would call on his name. Come on, that's the gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus. That's why we're here. Whether you understand that or not, or maybe you are hearing that for the first time, that's why you're in the room today. Because that happened for you. And you should know that this this Savior born in Bethlehem is still alive, still active, still moving, still restoring, still picking up the shattered pieces of our life. However, there's only one Savior. Somebody say one. There's one, one name, one name, just Jesus. There is no other name by which men must be saved. There's one, Jesus tells us himself, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And some people hear that and say, well, that seems exclusive. Actually, it's, it's, it's the pathway that he invites every single one of us to. There's nothing exclusive about it. Like you are offered this this same path in life. Some people say, well, that's that's mean that there's only one way. I think it's incredibly loving that not only does he tell us there's one way, but he tells us how to get there. It's through him. He's the only way to God the Father. I am the way, the truth, the life. And so this wonderful Savior of ours is inviting all of us Whether you are in this room, you're watching online, it doesn't matter what season of life you are in, whether you're old or young, your background, right? Your nationality, it does not matter whether you think you are bad or whether you think you are good. Like you were all invited into this relationship with God through Jesus. I wonder if you can think back to the moment that happened for you. Do you remember maybe the moment that you heard for the first time, the gospel, the good news of Jesus? and how apart from, from, from him, we were separate from God, but God so loved you that he sent his one and only son into the world. That moment that the scales almost came off your eyes, so to speak, and you understood your need for a savior, that we were all sinners. We all had this, this hole in our soul that could only be filled with Jesus. Can you remember that moment? You crossed the, the line of faith. In fact, if that, that moment has not happened yet in your life, I'm praying today is the day that you meet Jesus, today is your day. Like, I don't think it's by accident you're here so that this, you know, average height, semi-handsome preacher could tell you once again how much you are loved and valued. It's not by accident you are here that this one Jesus, he didn't just die for you. You need to know this, he died as though he were you. Taking all of our sin and shame that was that was due us and put it on himself. That's what he did for you. But there's one Savior, one. You know what that means? That means you can't save you. All your effort and all your strength, you can't save you. Your, your spouse can't save you. Your kids can't save you. If you have your six-year-old, you know they can't save you. I got one of those. They need saved. We're praying for him. He would meet Jesus soon. And he's Jesus. Your good works can't save you. Your good works are a result of, right? Are the overflow of what, what the grace of God has done in and through your your life. But I say this because we've all seen the blogs, we've all seen, you know, the Instagrams, we've all seen the, the Facebook reels where people are searching in everything to find fulfillment, searching in everything else to find something that will will fill their lives. And we know there's no amount of money in your bank account that can satisfy. There are no amount of followers on, on social media that will ever cause you to be complete. There is a hole in the soul of all humanity that can be filled with how many saviors? One savior. And so Luke says, hey, there's one savior. born born into the world, but he doesn't stop there. Let's go to Luke chapter 6, because in Luke 6, something happens. This eight pound, four ounce, sweet little baby Jesus isn't a baby anymore. Now he's 30 years old. And in Luke 6, verse 12, he begins to pick people. He begins to call people. He begins to call numbers. Look at it. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose, what's that number? 12. 12 of them whom he also designated as apostles. So we have how many saviors? One savior. And now Jesus is, is picking how many disciples? 12 and calling them apostles. One savior, he chooses 12 disciples. And I like that he picks these guys because when you read the Bible and you read about who these guys are, Here's at least what I think. I'm like, man, I think I could have been a disciple too. I think Jesus could have picked me because these guys were not the sharpest knives in the drawer. Are you with me? Like you read some of the stuff that they did and said, and you're like, he is dumb. But then you're like, I'm also dumb. I think Jesus might have picked me. I think he might have put me on his, his team as well. And he would have, and here's why I want you to write this down. Jesus picks projects, not perfection. Is anybody grateful? Jesus picks projects and uses projects. I think sometimes we think God just uses perfect people. People that have it all together. Like we see somebody doing some great things for God, and we're like, well, of course he's using them. Look at look how he smiles like all the time. Like, I don't think I could ever smile that much. Obviously, he's the, the obvious choice for God to use. We think Jesus picks based on perfection, but how many of you know, he, he does not pick the obvious choice. He is not interested in the obvious choice. Honestly, as you read through scripture, you'll see that he picked a timid stutterer to lead millions out of Egypt, out of captivity. He picked a, you know, the youngest of eight, a shepherd to be the second king of Israel, uh, of, of Israel, and a man after God's own heart. He picked a Christian killer in Paul to write two-thirds of the New Testament that we're reading and learning through uh, even today. He's picked you know a virgin, a teenage virgin to carry the savior of the world. God does not pick perfection. He picks projects. And he chooses them based not on ability, but availability. Are you available for God to use? Are you available? Like you don't have to know it all. You don't have to be the, the sharpest. Knife in the drawer, you just have to be available. In fact, I believe that if you sat down across the table from the people that you admire most, that you see God doing great things in their life, you would discover that they're not perfect. They were a project, just like you. But then Jesus got his hands on them, did a little DIY in their life, and now they are where they they are today. But God does not choose based on perfection about five years ago, Kristen and I, we, we found a house that we wanted to move into. It was built in 1950 or 1956, something like that. And it needed some love. It had, you know, the pink shag carpet, wallpaper on every wall, you know, kind of thing. It did not have enough, you know, like, like space. Different, well, I'm like, I think I could do the reno. I think I got this, honey. Like I've seen enough Chip and Joanna Gaines that I figure, that, you know, I've been to Home Depot at least six times in my life. And so I can, I'm going to do this reno. And she looked at me and she's like, you don't even have a proper hammer. <laughs> Which is true. Like I had this hammer and the, like the, the things on the back of it, what are those? Prongs or whatever. See, I don't even know what they're called. Or like one was broken off and it just kind of was, I'm like, I, th- I think I can do it. And in fact, I told her, I'm like, I don't need no hammer. God's my hammer. And that doesn't work, by the way. That's a dumb thing to say. You do need a hammer, actually. Uh, But she reminded me then, because she's such an encouragement to my heart, she said, you know, do you remember when we put that dresser together from Ikea? And do you remember how that went? And all the colorful, colorful words that you used in that kind of project? And, you know, to my defense, I don't even think like Swedish people can put that stuff together, right? They can't even do it. But I'm not a a good DIY kind of person. And some of you are though. Some of you are amazing at taking things that are broken and dilapidated and don't seem useful to anyone else. And you can make something amazing out of it. Some of you do that with food. Like you're incredible. You'll go to your refrigerator and there's leftover spaghetti in there and an onion and some mustard. And you're like, voila, suckers. There's like three course meal dessert included and you're like I don't even know where that came from right like you're amazing at that at turning nothing into something can I remind you this is what Jesus does this is what he does he takes something that was broken and he makes it brand new he can take a marriage that was dying and cause it to thrive he can take a man who is just bound in, in pornography and sin and addiction and free him. He can take a, a woman who's struggling with, with their insecurity. He can take a, a young person who is, is so confused in a broken and confused world about their identity and cause them to be made new again. I believe if, if Jesus is like, if you don't think I can fix you, then you don't know who I am. And you don't know what I came to do because I've been fixing broken things from the beginning of human history. That's what he does. That's why he came into the world, to restore what was broken back to God the Father. And so no one in this room is too far gone. You are not too much of a project for God to get his his hands on because this is what the grace of God does and this is how well the grace of God works in our life. He can take the most broken down, lost, hurting person and restore them back to their original design and have the world look on them and think, oh man, that person is perfect. But you know, and God knows that you're not perfect. You were a project. In fact, I think it's, it's, it's the thing about grace that is so hard to understand because it works so well. Because I believe there are people in this room who could testify to the fact that, hey, we think you got it all together, but you know your marriage is thriving today, but how about year two of that marriage? How was that going? Like, you, you know you wanted to leave. Or you think you, you look at me here today, I'm in church today, but you knew back in the day, Sunday morning wasn't at church. Sunday morning was sleeping off a, a Saturday night of being in the club. Are you with me? Like you and God both know. That we are our projects. And the grace of God came around you in your bad decision, in your broken moments, and restored you. And this amazing Savior does this today. And that's what he did with these guys. He, he chose to be around them. So Jesus called the disciples to himself, but then he only picks 12. 12 of them. So that means, by the way, there were more people following Jesus, more disciples, than just The 12, I know that blows some of your mind because you're like, Colby, I've seen the painting. The Last Supper, there's only 12. No, there were actually more people actually following Jesus, a bunch of disciples, but he only picks 12 to be his apostles, which also means, by the way, that some didn't get picked for being apostles. They were just disciples. Later on in the book of Acts, we see they have to replace one of them. If you remember Judas and what he did. They gotta replace him, and so they have to choose between two other guys for this position that they're going to to replace, and one gets picked and the other doesn't, which means that that guy got rejected twice. You know, that's a bad day right there. But can we just be a church, let me just say this, can we be a church that cares more about the person of Jesus than the the role that he assigns us? Can we just be a church that cares more about, about getting as close to Jesus as we can and not so concerned about where someone else is on their, their journey. And we just be a church that's like, Colby, I don't care. Like if you, if you need me to come in during the week and clean bathrooms, let me, I'll do that, I'll serve there. If you need me out in the parking lot, I'll serve. If you need me to hold kids, you know, and love on babies and, and, and teach little ones and or elevate kids, like I don't, I don't care. I just wanna get as close to Jesus as I can. Just put me in the game. Aren't you grateful for our serve teams here at this church? Come on, let's just give it up. They do an amazing job week in and week out. Let's just be people that care more about who God has called us to be than the the applause or accolades of people and the platform opportunities. Many saviors, one, not many saviors, one savior, 12 apostles, and it keeps going. Look at Luke 10, verse one, it says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Somebody say 72. 72 others. And sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Uh, skip down to verse 17. It says the 72 returned, and I love this, with joy. And here's what they said, Lord, even demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority. This is Jesus talking to these guys. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. That's a word for somebody today. (laughs) Nothing will harm you. However... Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Hey, hey, let's not forget the most important thing he says. But he's like, I'm going to grab these 72. I'm going to send them out because there's a lot of work to do. He said the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. In other words, there's a lot of lost people and hurting people who need to hear this message. And you are called to carry it. You are called to carry the light of Christ into the dark places in the world around you. You are to be my example. You are to to carry this, this message. And I think it's significant that Jesus picks 72. And he sends them out two by two. Why? Why is that significant? Because it means they're in community. It means they can't do this on their own. It means you were designed and created for relationship there is accountability there Uh, King Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes you know it's pitiful when a guy falls and has no one there to help him up like you need someone in your life to walk with you there is no such thing as a lone wolf like a lone wolf is a dead wolf and you were created to be in relationship and so this fires me up because sometimes you know People will say, you know, they're in the middle of a bad season in their life, and so they have to to pull away from the church and pull away from people. And I'm just telling you, the first step away from God is to step away from the people of God. And it's in those seasons, in the middle of the tough time or a struggle in your life, where you need to press in and lean in even more into God's people. That's when I would encourage you, honestly, jump on a serve team. Get connected to people. Jump in a small group. Get connected to people. Like you need people in your life who will preach the word of God over your life so that you don't drown in your own thoughts. Are you with me? Like don't do life alone. You were not created to to be alone. there's some people here today that you are walking through, through hell and it's not because God has you there, it's because you are not allowing people that God has placed in your life to come alongside you and be a strength and be an encouragement for you. So will you please, sidebar, come to the front when church is done and pray with our team? Like if that's where you are today, you need someone to encourage you, to pray with you. That's why they're here. They will be down front waiting for you. They are not there to guilt you or to shame you. They are not appointed as judge over your life. They wanna encourage you and they wanna intercede on your behalf and go to God with you for prayer. So take advantage of those that will be down front. But it says these 72, they come back and they are fired up. They're like, Jesus, even demons were subject to us. They're like, we walked in and we're like, demons be gone. How many of you parents would love to do that with your children? Demons be gone. Just kidding. We're at work on Monday. You know, some of the people that you work with, be gone. They're like, we're walking in town after town and we're seeing miracle after miracle after miracle. They're like, it was ridiculous because the miraculous is found in the, Ridiculous. And Jesus said, I'm telling you, I'm telling you guys, you have power. In fact, if you'll just play my name card, there's no name, like the name of Jesus. You just put my name out there, enemy has to flee. You're my representative on this earth. Just tell them I sent you. But then what does Jesus say? But watch out with all that authority. I don't want that, you know, that, that authority, that power, you know, causing you to have a big old head and hurting your neck. He says, what I want you to be most excited about, listen to me, is that your name is written in heaven. Jesus says, you know, that's great, but I want the greatest joy in your life to come from you knowing me and me knowing you. In fact, in Revelation, it talks about how our names have been written down in the Lamb's book of life. Don't you forget the most important thing is that your name is written in heaven. He's painting this, this picture for the, the disciples and it starts with the one savior. It goes to 12 and then it goes to 72. And you think we might be done, Colby, that's enough math for today. or well, we're just getting started. Look at Acts chapter one. He says this, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me pause right here and say next weekend is going to be incredible because next weekend we are having baptisms at every single worship experience. And if you have never been baptized since crossing the line of faith and giving your life to Jesus, next weekend is your time. Amen. I'm just telling you, we don't argue with it. There, there are certain things we're like, well, do I need to? You know, do I have to? Is it salvation? It is not salvation. But baptism is a sign. It is a public display that you are on team Jesus, that you've said yes to following Jesus and you don't care who knows it. In fact, you want the world to know it. And so if you have never been baptized since giving your life to Jesus, next weekend is your weekend. You come ready. We are ready for you to do that. You go public with your faith. We are gonna watch as as tons of people go public with their faith in Jesus. Like this is why, and the word baptism, by the way, is the word baptizo. It it means to dunk, submerse. Because people ask all the time, why why don't you sprinkle, you know, or do you you do this? Like, well, because God's word tells us just to dunk them. Just bloop, bloop, all the way under, all the way back up. So that's why we do it. But next weekend is your weekend. If you haven't done that, or even if you were baptized as an infant, can I just tell you something? All that made you was a wet baby. And that's great. That's great that your parents wanted that for you. But since coming to Christ, you haven't been baptized. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. It's the next step that we take as followers of Jesus. But he says this. John baptized with water. But in a few days, he says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 7, skip down. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates of father set by his own authority. But you will receive power. Somebody say power. power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And here's what that power will cause you to do, be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, verse 15, in those days Peter stood up among the believers to a group numbering about, say it out loud, 120. 120. So we go from one savior, 12 disciples get picked, chosen to be apostles, he sends out 72 in and around town and now there are 120. And 120 hear that this power is about to come on them. This power is going to to fill them for a purpose. And that purpose is to be the witnesses of Christ in their families, in their communities, in the world around them. In other words, what you have been called to do, listen to me, you cannot do on your own. How many of you have learned that in your life, the moment you give your life to follow Jesus, like you are automatically put into the deep end you are automatically put in over your head. You know why that is, by the way? You're thrown into the deep end so that you can depend on God's strength in you. Like if you just did it by yourself, who gets glory for that? Who gets credit for that? Why did you need Jesus if you could live this life in your own strength? You didn't. And so he says, I want to give you power. I want to give you strength to live the life that I'm calling you to live. Because once you give your heart and your life to Jesus, I'm just telling you right now, he will ask you to to give more of yourself than you ever thought you could. He will ask you to to go places and do things that you never thought you could in your own strength. And the reality is you can't. He will ask you to, to, to be more generous because following Jesus, you don't get more greedy, you get more generous. He will ask you to serve more and do more, love bigger than you ever thought you had the capacity to love. The God of heaven says, I don't want you living a life, you can live in your own strength. So the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and fill you. And just as, and I love the fact that Luke Luke talks about how Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us in Luke two. Now he's talking about how the Holy Spirit is God in us. God giving us a strength and power and equipping us and empowering us to do what he's called us to do. And that happens in Acts chapter two. The Holy Spirit comes on them, power fills them. In fact, the Bible talks about this event that happens where where they start speaking in all these different languages so people around that are in the the city at that time can understand the gospel and nobody believes it. You know, there's a lot of people saying around, well, these guys are drunk. You know, they've lost their mind. They've been hitting the bottle. And Peter stands up, look at it in Acts chapter two, verse 14 through 18. I'll have the band come help me shut it down. He says this, hey, listen up, you guys. Let me explain something to you. You know what I'm talking about? Got some explaining to do right here. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. He's like, who gets drunk at nine in the morning? I know some of you are like, well, back in the day. (laughs) He says, this is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel in the last days. God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people your sons and your daughters. In other words, this won't just be a man thing. This won't just be a woman thing. This is gonna be an everyone thing. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Look at verse 41. Peter preaches this amazing message about Jesus and the gospel empowered by the Holy Spirit, the one and only Savior. It says those who accepted his message were baptized, and about how many? Were added to the number that day. So follow this one Savior. He chooses 12 disciples. He sends out 72. There are 120 in this upper room. The moment the Spirit falls and empowers them to do what God's called them to do, and then, like almost the next minute, it seems like they're delivering this message and 3,000 one day get baptized. 1, 12, 72, 120, 3,000. 1, 12, 72, 120, 3,000. And did you know the book of Acts does not have an ending? Like, like some of the other books, you can read it. There's no sign off. There's no, all right, that's it, deuces. You know, there's no goodbye. There's no, I'm done. That's it. Do you know why that is? Because it's not over. Woo! Like we're the church. The church is still going. The church is still growing. The church is still the vehicle that got established in this earth to bring the message, the gospel of Jesus to the world like this is our role this is our time your number has been called he is not done our job is to now take this this message about Jesus that has been ignited on the inside of us and take it to the the dark corners in the worlds around us and that does not necessarily mean overseas other places it could be the darkest areas in your life are in your own home It could be in your school. It could be in your places of work. But you have been called and equipped to partner with God with what he is doing in this earth. You are a participant in the story of redemption. You are a participant in God's plan to tell people about Jesus. Your number has been called. What are you waiting for? I need to tell somebody stop, stop letting your failures, stop letting your mistakes disqualify you. What are you waiting for? It's really time to get up off of the the stands and into the game. Like, I, I have this sense of urgency, you know, and sometimes you have to forgive me but I just know that everybody you lock eyes with around you is going to one of two places. And apart from God, our sin separates us from him for eternity and it does not have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And God wants to use you to carry that mission into your homes, that message into your homes, to your families, everywhere you can. One, 12, 72, 123,000 and now you and now me. And so it's our turn. So I have two invitations for you today. Would you stand up to your feet and just in a spirit of prayer, bow your head. Here's the first one, Ah, maybe the most important one. What did Jesus say? Hey, that's great that demons flee, that's great, that there's power, that's great that you're going in my name and you need that. But the most important thing is that your name is written in heaven. That your name is on the the team roster. And some of you, in all honesty, you'd say my name is not on the roster not on the team that you have not surrendered your life to Jesus you've not made that decision to step across the line of faith and confess him as Lord of your life and today is your day this is your your moment you want to say I want to be on the team I I want to be on team Jesus in just a minute I'm gonna lead you in a prayer that does that the Bible tells us as we confess Jesus as Lord and we believe in our heart God raised him from the dead we would be saved meaning we would have salvation. We'd be on the team. That we're all image bearers of God, but when you're on the team, you're a son or a daughter of God with full rights and privileges of the inheritance that's available to you for eternity. It's unbelievable. And it's not just for one day, but it's for two for today. So if you say, Colby, that's why I'm here that the Spirit has moved you to perhaps one day for the first time, today for the first time, scales have fallen off your eyes, so to speak. You've you've come alive to the fact that Jesus gave his life in your place, and there's nothing you could do to bridge this gap between you and God the Father. And You've been trying to fill your life with everything else and you've come up empty. And I'm here to tell you today, the only thing that fills it is this one Savior one Savior, Jesus, who is the way, the truth, the life. And so i gonna lead you in a prayer that does that. If you would say, Colby, when you pray that, I am praying with you. I am crossing the line of faith. I'm surrendering my heart and life to Jesus, either for the first time or the, for the first time in a long time. You're coming back to him. Would you right now throw your hand up? No one's looking around. Just be bold about it. Say, here I am. I want to see who I'm praying with today in this house. Yeah, awesome. Just keep it up. Keep it up. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. All around this room, so many of you. Praise God, this is the best decision that you could make with your life. To say, put me on Team Jesus. I'm surrendering my heart and life to him. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna encourage our whole church to pray this out loud with you. Because we confess with our lips, out loud, Jesus is Lord. Believe that God raised him from the dead, that he did what he said he would do give us victory over sin so pray this out loud together Jesus today I give you my life I repent I am a sinner and I need a savior and so I confess you as Lord I give my life to you I believe God raised you from the dead and is raising me to new life right here and right now in Jesus name Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate today with those around. Okay, don't go anywhere. Invitation number two. Those of you that would say, I am done being a spectator. Today is my day. I need to get up off the stands. I need to get off the pine, get into the game. I need the Holy Spirit to empower me, to equip me, to do all that God has called me to do. And I don't care what part I play. I just want to get as close to God as I can get if that's you today. Let's pray to this end right now. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would light a fire in us. Allow us to to join in what you are doing in this earth, God, no matter what that role looks like, no matter where where the faith uh, in you leads us, God, you are taking us in over our heads. And so, God, we are trusting you for that. We just want to be a participator, no longer a spectator in what you are doing in this earth. So, Heavenly Father, we ask that your spirit would empower us, would lead us, would strengthen us, would give us the gifts necessary to accomplish your will on this earth. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's worship and sing together. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.